everybody, this is Clay Frost, the Thrivecast, your host. Um, today we have a very special guest with us, Anton McLean. He was a football player. He played with Clemson and then played in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens when they won a Super Bowl in 2012 and kind of continued a career. Uh, I don't know if you'd say bouncing around, but you went through a, different organi- a few different organizations. And, and so uh, go ahead and, and add to whatever you'd like to that. Yeah, the key, they like to call that the journeyman uh, in journeyman, those terms, yeah. when a guy who bounced around a little bit. But yeah, I spent spent the year at, well, two years in Baltimore. Um, I split my second year between Buffalo and um, Oakland. Did a little time in uh, a cup of coffee in Chicago. Then I finished my last uh, two years um, in the NFL in Arizona. Then I, I tailed off my career in uh Calgary, Stan Peters in the CFL. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride, but it was it was great. Um, I had a chance to meet a lot of a lot of brilliant people, made a lot of connections, and here I am today. Very cool, man. So excited to have you on. I just off the bat, I want to hear what what do you understand as the meaning of thriving? Like, what does that mean to you when you hear that word? What does it look like? How does it feel to thrive in your life? Well, when I think about the word thrive, I think about you think about all the good things like success, um, pulling all the the alignment from the from the great source upstairs. And when I think of me as in thriving, I'm doing everything right. I'm clicking on all cylinders. Even so, if I'm not doing everything right, you still find the meaning in the wrong that you've done and you learn from your mistakes. So I think and it's all connected as far as what you're trying to do and everything that's in front of you you're on the right track and you on the, the right path of your journey. So when I think about thriving, I think about just doing all the right things, even when the right things doesn't seem like it's going the right way, but you're still on, on course to take care of whatever you, you're trying to do. So that's thriving to me. I love that. So you can thrive without being necessarily successful, like thriving even through the difficulty, even through the, op- the obstacles or adversity that you're facing, that you can still thrive there. It's all a part of it, man. All the ups and downs is all a part of your journey. So whatever, whatever, however God wrote your story out, however it's going, um, it may not be going the way you want it to, but at the same time, everything happens for a reason and everything is molding you to be the best person you can be for the next day and for the next opportunity. That's awesome, man. What would you say is kind of, I know this might be hard to put a word to it, but kind of describe what is the opposite of thriving. I know I'm sure you've had rough part, patches in your life where things are just really tough. How would mm-hmm. how would you say it's the opposite? I would say, I, I would say the opposite of thriving in my book is giving up, man, uh, or just um, throwing in a towel and not continuing to to I guess push through it through the adversity. Because one thing in sport and life teaches us, it teaches us about adversity. You can always have adversity. It's how you persevere. That's what's going to make the, the best person out of you. So I think when the person is not thriving, they're giving up. They just, you know, laying dormant. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Laying dormant. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned a little bit, uh, as we were talking before, you mentioned a little bit about your career and how you felt like you had a pretty sudden end. Uh, it didn't quite end when you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine that that would kind of be a, a moment where you're not quite thriving. Um, a moment where it just really sucks or just is, is life-altering, I guess would be a good way to put it. 
right. how'd you deal with that? What was, how did you get from that moment, maybe that low to finally thriving again in your life? What was Man, it the process was, or what did you do? Well, I've always, uh, well, I would say this, once I got released from the Cardinals and I knew that was going to be like a rough patch, I felt meditation, man. I, I started meditating, listening to cool. meditations every day. I found the podcast world. So I found all these stories and all these people talking about their journey. So even though I was kind of like not at the end of my rope, but I was kind of confused and not knowing what's going to come next. Uh, study training, you're getting calls, you're getting workouts, but nobody's never pulled the trigger. At the same time, you're thinking about, I still got bills. I still got to train. Mm-hmm. You might even have to get a job just to supplement some of your income that you're not getting anymore. So what helped me a lot was was a was meditation and seeking wise counsel, man, and, and just really believing in myself that it wasn't over. I like that. Very good. So tell me a little bit about the story. What what was going on? Uh, I mean, why'd you get cut? How'd you feel in those moments? Like what take me through that journey that you experienced. I think well, I think uh a lot of politics played into it with, you know, draft draft spots and money as far as guys who are paid higher because they're going to play the money. So, and I think too, letting that get to me in, in the last few days and uh, just making a few mistakes here and there. But I mean, it's, I think in football, you're going to make mistakes in general, but I just think, you know, I just think it, it played itself out or it was just, that was just my time to leave. That's what God had on me as my, my staple in Arizona. So, so yeah, so I got cut in. So, well, you want the whole story from just the- I mean, whatever you want to tell, man. I think it's, I love the stories because it helps us see mm-hmm. and conceptualize how you thrived and how, yeah, so, how you took a maybe a sucky situation and then flourished through it. Yeah. So once I got released from the Cardinals, I was still, you know, still having to go pay for training and all that and figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing, um, uh, this guy uh, at Fisher's name was Justin. Everybody calls him J-Bone. And every day, he'd see me come in, and I'd be super – one day I'd be up and down. I'd be super happy. Then I'd be, like, on on a low. He always come and tell me every day, man. He said, hey, ain't no time to be uh, soaking it in your bag. You got to, like, perform every day because you, you don't want to give up on it and then get that phone call that you're not ready. So I've always kind of kept that that in the back of my head and kept that – going as I'm preparing for the next opportunity in life now. So just after that, um, the state, I, I continued to train. And then one of the things that did kind of help me a lot, um, I actually did get picked up um, after I got cut from the Cardinals. So I spent that the next, that the whole um, fall season training and just preparing for the opportunity. And then when, once it didn't come, I actually went back to school that following January to finish my degree. And awesome. that allowed me some some uh, some time to get away from just the hustle and bustle of training. Um, but um, it gave me a chance to be around some familiar faces, like Coach Sweeney. Um, a lot of my friends that I played with are, was coaching there at the time. So I had those guys to help help counsel me. And, you know, I had the, 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 um, the knowledge of I did get my degree, and then I would just be stuck. So I had to get my degree. So that's one of the things that kept me, kept me afloat, it kept me something to work for. Um, and also, um, I was actually doing a little student coaching on the side too with, with, with the team as well. So I kind of had that as a, you know, as a, as as a safety net. And then I ended up, um, doing a little research on my own and like getting a tryout, um, 
with the CFL tryout. I went out there, did a good, did a good job there. So I had something. So after I graduated, I went straight to Canada to compete and you know, fill out that CFL career. So after the CFL, different out there, huh? Yeah, it was actually 50 degrees in July. That was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> But it was, it's, it's a beautiful place. So um, that time there was short stint um, with, with them, with those guys, because I know it's a a Canadian-American ratio to how many they can keep versus how many Canadians they can keep to as well. So that was no biggie, man. So when that, when that happened, I kind of was like, yeah, I'm pretty much done. And then once I accepted was football, it was over. Case? Well, to me, man, I, I've always valued my – you know, my expertise as a person, I've always took care of my myself. I've always was a guy that, you know, trusted in my, my knowledge and my abilities. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of tough, but at the same time, I was kind of ready for it at that point. I got tired of the running around. So um, it wasn't it was tough, but it wasn't tough. I had to just man up and just accepted it. And once I accepted it, I had my degree in my pocket. I knew that I'd be I'll be able to get a job. So um, but yeah, man, I think. With a lot of athletes, who is really tough for it's not necessarily the athlete, it's the people around them. The people around mm-hmm. them, they realize, oh, man, he's not this Superman no more. He can't take care of everything or even your spouses. So you look at those be the ones that sometimes have the hardest time. And if the guy is not upset or freaking out, they get a little worried because we're not freaking out. And then that causes tension. And then also um, – I think, too, what makes it tough for athletes after football or after their sport, um, they were so focused on this one particular sport for so much so so they were a kid or however long it was, and they don't know who, the, who they are as a person. They don't know who that, that identity is outside of yeah. football or basketball or wherever that sport is. So I think that's what helps add to the, the stress or the struggle and then I would say the people around you. So... I kind of had some of those struggles as far as the the spouse issues and the, the people around me started acting a little different. But as far as me, I knew that I was destined for great things, even if I didn't play football. So once I accept, once I accepted it, I kind of just worked with the punches. I stayed prayed up, stayed meditated, stayed in my meditation. But I've always was a guy. I reached out to different schools to try to get my masters. I had a plan. I, I, I worked as a counselor at at, um, at this college, but at the same time, I still was training. I still was staying in shape. Mm-hmm. But then once I let that let that aspect go of the whole football thing, I lost the weight. That was one of my biggest goals I wanted to do. So that kept me that kept me kept me active every morning. It gave me another goal to reach for. And I knew that being a counselor or a Roman counselor wasn't my end goal. So. I used that job for what it was, gave me some chance to get some office experience. So, but I've always kind of knew that I wanted to be like a DPE or player development because I was always close with, um, with all my DPEs on my, on the teams that I played with, but I'm especially close with uh, Harry Swain, who was the DPE with the Ravens. So for the, for the listeners, can you explain what that is? Oh, a director of player engagement. It is basically the um, the liaison between the coach and the players. Um, this guy is the actual person of a DPE. He assists all the players and all their, I guess, outside needs and facilitates the rookie, um, the income rookie program. Um, you touch on topics like financial freedom, uh, good and bad choices, total wellness, um, just basically how to come in and be a pro 
and then you're also assisting guys with second and third year programming, like cool. financial, like personal finance. Um, if someone moves in from another team, you helping those guys get set up. So you're kind of like a, a sort of a, a caretaker, but they, but everybody has different roles on each team. But I know as for Harry Swain, he was well respected in the, in in that space because he played for the Ravens, he played for the Broncos. He has a wealth, a wealth of knowledge. Um, he walks the walk, and he definitely talks the talk. So I looked oh. up to him as far as a mentor. So I heard he was the one that. The director of player engagement said, I've actually heard a, a, somebody who is a director of player engagement express that essentially he's a big brother. You just take care of anything that needs to be taken care of. Would you find that's pretty accurate? Yeah, I think that's pretty much accurate. Yeah, that's kind of the same. It's in the same. But like I was saying, different teams, different DPEs have Function different responsibilities. So yeah. cool. Well, keep going. So you developed a good relationship with him. Yeah, so we kept our relationship um, even when I left the Ravens and whatnot. And then one day I'm driving to go work out of work, um, one of the two. And he gave me like a little little call or whatnot. And then he was asking what I had going on, what I was doing. And then he asked me, what did I want to do? And I was like, well, I kind of want your job. <laughs> and then not necessarily say I want his job, but I wanted to get into that football operations or player mm-hmm. development lane and whatnot. And you know, I was a big believer in closed mouths don't get fed. So once I said that, and then he's like, hey, okay, well, I may have something for you. Um, text me your email once we hang up. So I sent him my email. So by the time I got to my desk in my office, um, he sent the email. Um, it, was for, it was for the Legends, the NFL Legends Development um, Program. So what that is, um, Instead of calling former players, former players, the uh, NFL coined the term of legends. So you want to kind of want guys to feel like they're not a part of the group anymore. So what this program does, it brings in former players um, to the league office and gives them office experience with the NFL um, markets from like marketing, sponsorship, uh, media and player engagement. You have officiating. So wherever they, they thought, they ask you in the application, you know, what was some of the areas what you might want to work with? And I know player engagement was one of my top ones. I think I put them, I think I put player engagement, I think I put marketing. But oh. so anyways, so went through that process for like the next two months and I actually ended up getting that position. And man, once I got the the actual offer letter um, from them guys, like, man, that was like a, a huge weight lifted off my shoulder. And I, I can say this too. Once I got that news, like I feel like I kind of knew like what to share from my life and what to what do I need to adjust in my life. So that was letting people go, letting situations go. Um, even the job I had, I quit working there because it wasn't serving me. And I, for the last, the remainder of those two or three months in Arizona, I just uh, um, helped train people and help and meal prep. So. That brought me so much joy, man, to help people uh, achieve their goals outside of, you yeah. know. Um, so, so things like that would kind of help me stay afloat. So once that was over, um, my start date was last March. So I was there for a, whole, a total, total of a year. So now uh, I just finished up my internship there, and I'll be moving into another position at the University of Tennessee for student athlete development. So cool. that's my story thus far, man. I thought, say, I, thought you were in, I thought you were in New York. What's what's Nashville about? But I obviously answered that question right away. That's right. awesome. Man. So, 
But through all through all through all that, man, I had my ups and downs. But what one right. thing that kept me afloat was I always kept my face in the book, like they can grow rich, uh, the wealthiest man in Babylon. Um anything that. that was like that was development wise, um, they can grow rich. It's another book, um, The Purpose Driven Life. So those books, man, kept me on a good path yeah. of of thriving through through all the, the BS and all the, you know, the, the letdowns or anything that I just felt like God was just pulling a lot that I didn't need from my life and then myself and just seeing the welcoming what I did need in my life. So like that, man. What I've noticed and everybody that I've talked to about this idea on the podcast or anywhere else. Thriving is always the kind of the greatest common factor of anyone who is thriving is that they're reaching out for knowledge to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just love that. I'm so glad that you stuck with books and you, you kept your head down trying to learn and keep pushing yourself mm-hmm. and developing yourself. That, that's just I, was that, I, was that, I was that player too. I've always, because I always felt like I didn't know everything. I was the type of guy where you can show me on film all day, but like until we go outside and walk through it, I wasn't going to be fully okay with it. So yeah. I learned about doing versus drawing and writing. So I always yeah. go to guys that I play with and always ask for their expertise and what can I do to do better? How did you get this play down? How can I learn better ways to, you know, um, to get the concepts down? So I've always was a guy who reached out for wise counsel. That's awesome. I love that. I, I saw that you in, at Cornell, is it true that you were a team captain while you were there? Cornell? I said Cornell. I meant, I meant uh, Clemson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was my senior. I was like, wow, I know I went to Cornell. Yeah, I know. That's uh, but no. that's on my mind. Yeah, um, yeah, I was a team captain my senior year. Yeah, how is that? Tell me about it. What's it? What is the difference between thriving as just someone on the squad compared to thriving as a leader? Because I feel like well, that's think, a different environment that, that is, right. requires different skills, a different different way of being. Well, I think when you when you look at you think of a senior, just just take the way the team captain aspect from it. Yeah. When you think about, I'm sorry, a senior, you think yeah. about the his last year. He's the leader. He's one of the leaders of the team. So you got to um, act accordingly, whether you're a starter or not, as a as a senior. And then you add the leadership title to it. I played offensive line, and it's always been said that you only go as far as your offensive line go. So we always looked at ourselves as putting the team on our back as an offensive lineman. So I kind of always had the attitude. I was never the, the loud, rah-rah guy. I always led by example. Like, uh, I mean, I get on the guys on myself, too, when they need to be. But as far as – screaming at somebody else. That wasn't me. I've always showed up and did what I had to do and I worked. And I always, coaches always could say he never missed a day. He never lacked. He never was, was dogging or sagging. So when I think about that, I think about myself, the resume I put out there. So mm-hmm. I kind of always had that mentality from a freshman to a senior. But I know it's a lot more eyes on you being a captain and a senior. So for me, I just took it one day at a time. I didn't look at it as, oh, I'm the leader. Listen to me. I just continue to do what I was doing, even though that was ramping it up a little bit, but I always try to leave up. I always try to hit the numbers that I need to hit. I mean, I've been the fastest on the team as far as offensive linemen, but I make sure I made my times. I make sure every year I got the, the strength award for my group. So every year I kind of like try to lead up, be a leader in that example. Aspect. I like that. Do what got you there. Do what yeah, got you as yeah. a senior and just keep moving forward. Even leader or not, you, you kind of behave the same. 
Right. And that's what right. that's what made you lead in the first place. I love that. Exactly. Love that. Yes, sir. Um, moving forward, so Clemson to the NFL, we kind of talked all about that, but I, I kind of want to talk about the people that you've associated with. I, I you mentioned a few people that have been really good examples of deliberately designing a life to help them thrive through any obstacle mm-hmm. and anything that they've ever faced. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me a few examples of people that, that you've looked up to, some, some of the reasons why, uh, maybe some of the, um, what, what made them different. Well, um, I know I mentioned uh, my guy Darrell Young as for being a good example for me. Once I got into corporate America, um, see him transition from being uh, one of the top tier guys in the league, one of the highest paid fullbacks, but just to see him take that off the field and going into the NFL league office and, and getting that respect. He's a very respected guy. He he always know the right thing to say. He always – people reach out to him for advice all the time. So he's always been a guy from what I've seen, from as long as I've mm-hmm. known him, a guy of great respect and a guy of great morals. So, and I look at even his lifestyle, man. This guy um, is not like a big rah-rah name guy as far as like uh, – but the, he, he he preaches – he preaches wealth. We go speak to Ricky's this past year, the Ricky um, outreach program we do. He do a good job of explaining when you talk about financial wellness and all that, he do a good job of explaining how he's kept himself wealthy. And also too, we think about charity work and this man has done over 400 charity events and he was the, um, the man, he got to receive the, the man of the year award. So things like that is to see why he's thriving at the NFL league office in that space. And I look at guys like I, I play with a Ray Lewis who, had so much adversity as a kid with his parents and his mom moving, he, him moving back with relatives and whatnot, and then learning that, you know, he always kept in mind that uh, he always going to be where he wanted to be as far as this great football player or a great person in general. So mm-hmm. to see him design his life like that, and I look at um, it's a lot of people I look up to. Like, I, I like, like a Warren Sapp watching his story and then seeing – where he come from and then even myself even my friends one of my best friends um we come from the same area and to see where he is now he's a great father he um he was in the military but now he's working to help um veterans get their benefits similar to what i'm doing and what i'm doing in the nfl so i look at guys like that man that that i look to as friends mentors and colleagues man that, that really they come from you know the, those tough backgrounds but don't let that you know depict them and don't let that um determine their future so like those that. guys so that kept me you know as a float too I've always been the guy of visualization so visualizing my life I knew as a kid that I was gonna play football but to see that happen was like wow but I think about what got me there so I try my best to keep keep doing those things that got me to where I am and develop more things to help me stay where I am <laughs> if that makes sense yeah you bet it does I want to jump back you mentioned yourself as a little kid visualizing seeing yourself playing in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that like as you actually realized that dream, realized that vision that you set when you were young? Was that emotional? Was that just like, like you're just so amped about it? Like you tell me, walk me through your mindset. Well, well, um, well, I mean, you get so caught up in training and get, trying to get there. You don't really realize all the things that you did to get there. So one day, I think this was my rookie year. Um, I'm a sneakerhead, so I was yeah. going home one day. I had, it was it was the end of the season, and then I had a 
sent a bunch of my stuff that I in my apartment to my mom's house because I didn't know where I would stay in the same apartment the next year. So I um I was like, you know, stacking my boxes up in my room. And my mom would tell me, she was like, well, you did say once you get to where you want to be, you're just going to buy every shoe you wanted. And I was like, wow. And I had to think about that while I'm doing it. Man, when I was, it made me very emotional for my mom to say that. It was like, wow. And then I started looking around my room. My mom made like a, uh, a shrine in my room of all my awards from college and high school. And I was like, wow, like I really am. I'm here. And then to that day, I always have my best to reflect on just do the um the self-reflection and inventory over my life and just how God has blessed me, man, to be, you know, a great athlete, um, two great parents, um, and then just uh, where I come from as far as the area I come from to be able to put them, you know, be an example of what we produce versus the narrative, which is negative. So mm-hmm. I, all those things, man, it kind of like, it, it puts me, it put me in a mind frame, like, oh my God, I got to keep going. And it makes me, it made me, kind of emotional to see it, but it also helped me to realize that I was always on this path since I was a kid. Um, they talk about the secret and um, the law of attraction. I was thinking about the those practices when I got that book when I was 18. I'm thinking to myself, I've already been doing this stuff. So this, <laughs> it, that's how you know it's ordained because you think about my room as a kid. I cut out pictures of NFL players and put them on my wall. Like stuff like that, or I'll go run on my own. I just and I wrote down one day when I was like 15. I wrote down the colleges that I wanted to get a scholarship. I was from that, that I wanted to go to. And I, I remember cleaning my room out one day before I left to go to college. And I saw the little notebook I had of all my stuff, and then I realized every school that I wrote down, they offered me a scholarship. I was like, wow. That's cool. that's so stuff cool. like that, man. So stuff like that kind of like you know helped me keep the inventory, you know, keep. You know, let myself know that, man, that everything that I wanted to do, it can happen. So that mindset, it makes me very joyous. And at the same time, it makes me very emotional because I've been truly blessed, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's one thing I've noticed as well as a big part of thriving is being grateful, being able to look back and see, uh, you know, you're, you're making progress and you keep on moving, but that you're grateful for the opportunity that you have in these moments. I think right. that is really what helps drive the mindset that helps people thrive. Because if you are always looking at what you don't have, and you're always mm-hmm. that usually breeds a, you know, kind of a victim or a complaining mindset. And so I love the idea of gratitude and just being grateful and seeing, like, recognizing that you're blessed, that things are going well, and you're, mm-hmm. you're overall just thankful for the opportunities. I think that is huge part of of thriving. Yes. I, uh, I've always had like I don't know I've always had people to look out for me. Um, it's just it's weird, man. It, it was weird. I, I look back like, wow, I really had a lot of help. Um, I had a lot of help on the way, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I did work my ass off to get to where I am too as well. Of course, yeah. You don't get to that level without just a tremendous work ethic. But I like what you said. That sometimes it takes a village. It takes a lot of people around you supporting you. I love watching athletes tell their stories about their parents, just like you are. Uh, about mm-hmm. their parents, their friends, their coaches that help them get to where they are. And they always, I, I, I have yet to see an athlete just be like, yeah, that was their job. Like they're always grateful. They're always like right. jazzed about the, the sacrifice that other people made for them because they recognize that they wouldn't be there where they are without them. Right, right. It, it never happens. You never get there on your own. Okay, what it never. is, you always, it's always 
a blessing or, or ordained from God and also to the steps you order. And all and everything you do, man, I always try my dad always tell me, make sure you take God with you. So everything I do, I always try to make sure I give him the, the, the glory and at the same time I work my ass off. <laughs> yeah, you got you kind of count on both the, the blessings and then also you, you have to work your you just have to keep working just nonstop. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about thriving and the difference between thriving maybe in an, in an NFL career or even mm-hmm. at the NFL. Uh, yeah, well, between playing career and working. So mm-hmm. your your role at the, at the NFL, the corporate office, uh, mm-hmm. compared to you playing, what was the difference? Like what, what went into thriving as a player compared to thriving as an employee? Well, what I'm, is it what different? I'm... Right. Well, um, it's kind of not. It's kind of. It's different. But the the setting and the platform is different, but the mm-hmm. the drive doesn't go away because if you think about what we tell guys now, what I tell um, guys in college and even rookies, it's like, hey, employees are looking for guys like us to work in the, in in, the, in these industries that we that we thrive to to go work for. They're looking for somebody who's punctual, who's on time, on time punctual, somebody who's hardworking, somebody who can take direction who can take coaching. So I think all those intangibles that we have as an athlete, they go to the actual corporate world as well. So, but as far as that doesn't change, when you talk about the, the different, like the locker room is totally different from the office setting because it's a lot of, it's, it's very sensitive to information as far as what can be said. You know, in the locker room, anything goes, then you got to deal with it. Um, but as yeah. far as the office setting, you have to be, you know, you have to be a professional there too. So I think just, Knowing, well, for me, it wasn't hard. Just being a professional, just you know, you gotta keep those things separate from the, the the office. I feel like go in there, you know, be who you are, be genuine who you are, but go in there and get your work done, and then focus on the task. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, still still have fun too, but you gotta separate, you know, because in the sport, you can bring your personal life in the locker room and laugh about it, but in the office, you can't do that. It's all it's all because people are different. Everybody not an athlete, so or everybody yeah. not has been in that setting, so it's kind of different. So when I it's think about of, driving. It's kind of the idea of knowing your audience. You know, like yeah. in the locker room, yeah. your buddies, your teammates, but in, the, like, a boardroom, like, mm-hmm. it just cultivates a different behavior, or I guess, different way of being. Like, what were you going to say? Well, when you think about thriving in both realms of it, you have to perform at a high level on on both ends, either on as an athlete and in the corporate world. So I think about thriving – um, it may be staying a little later in the office to make sure you got some stuff done that you want to get ahead on tomorrow, mm-hmm. just like in a field. When you get done with practice, I mean, you still got to work on some of your games, so you stay later. So those things don't change. I think it's just the setting and then the people who you're dealing with at the same time. So, but I, for me, I didn't really have an issue. Um, I didn't really find it difficult because I've always had a job, even in high school. So, um, sort of say, in and I'm I'm easy. I'm very coachable. So my thing is, I was, that's one of the things that I, I pride myself on is I ask questions, and I'm very coachable. And then I love the freedom that I get after I don't learn the system that I can, you know, incorporate my own way of doing things. Once I prove that I can do it, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. So you know, it's a it's a two way street with that. But thriving in both of those, you still have to compete at a high level every day. You still have to come with your best game every day, in both settings. Yeah. Like it. So two more questions for you. I know we're kind of running low on time, but 
there is diff- there's definitely a massive level jump from high school to college, from college to pros, right? There's mm-hmm. just, there's no doubt about it. Um, what was that jump like for you? Let's focus and specifically which- on college, college to pros. What was, was it shocking how different it was? What, like, mm-hmm. what, what did it take to, to do well at the pros compared to that college? No, I will. I would say the jump from college to pro. The speed of the game is a lot faster because the NFL, everybody's good. Even, even from from the second team to the practice squad, everybody was the man in their high school, and everybody was was sort of a top tier guy at their college. So everybody's good. So that's why it's so competitive. The speed of the game is very is very fast, but it's not hard to adjust because you're in practice. That's what they had training camp for. But I think um, the biggest thing that was that was tough for me was the terminology um, on on some coaches of mm-hmm. the actual plays or whatnot. But as far as the transition, I mean, it's with any. Once you get adapted to it, I mean, once you get acclimated, then you adapt. So I would okay. think, but it's always a tough. Even from high school to college, I, my strength coaches in high school, um, Mr. Eddie Bullock was a great guy, man, great mentor of mine too. He worked us hard. So, and the reason why he said he worked us hard because he said, I'm tired of hearing guys from this high school can't go to college and transition into that world. So, he worked us hard. But I loved it because when I went to college, it was kind of – it was it was hard because it was a lot more running, but I had that toughness already built up. I understood how to press through stuff like that. So, I think I took that to every level that I played on. But the speed of the game is very fast. But you have help. Training camp is – I would say they bring guys in early to rookie mini camp so you can get, you know, head on the playbook or whatnot. So, but when it's flying bullets, it's, it's a sink or swim, as they say. But, you know, you learn and you grow. <laughs> cool, cool. And then my last question for you, Anton, is what would be a message for someone that's aspiring to be where you've been? Winning a Super Bowl, being on, being in the NFL. What is a, a message for them that you would leave? I would say um, definitely take care of your body. I know we harp on that as older guys, but the longer you can play, and I would say also, too, um, be durable, be flexible. Just like, hey, we know you don't play offensive. We know you don't play left tackle, but we need a left tackle. And then be able to play some know – what, know what's going on in all aspects of the game. And in the corporate world, too, know what everybody's doing. And so when somebody – ask you a question about something, you have an answer for them, or if not, you kind of know what's going on. So that way you can be plugged in. And I'll also say, man, just invest in your talents and also to always invest in your resources. If they want to give you some some free classes somewhere, take them because you never know. If you want to, you have a question about entrepreneurship, go out to your local gym or a juice store. You think they're going to tell you no? You're an NFL player or you're a basketball player. And you think they're going to tell you no? So use those resources on the offseason when you're not doing nothing. So I think just a network, 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 and network. Because yeah. once you're done once you're done playing ball, it's kind of, it's not hard, but it's kind of hard. Versus if you was doing that while you was playing ball, and then once, mm-hmm. you, once you've come out of your sport, you have no problem going into the next career transition and take care of your money. Awesome. Love it, man. Well, Anton, uh, I appreciate your time. I love the conversation. I love hearing about your story and, and the tough times you went through to get to where you are thriving now. And I love that. I 
I want to encourage anyone listening that that is a, that's the same thing that anybody else can do. You hear it here, you hear it anywhere that there are tough times, but if you're able to learn what it takes to thrive and design that deliberate, deliberately design a life so you can thrive, it takes work. It's hard work, but it works out. If you're able Thank to you. go for it. Also, also too, man. And I know we talk a lot about thriving and hardworking, but you have to give yourself time to develop because it's not going to happen the next, it's not going to happen tomorrow. So you got to give yourself grace and you have to be patient with yourself. Yeah. I love that. I, I talked a lot about patience with my athletes, the ones that I train on the mental game, because when athletes are frustrated, it shows that they don't truly trust in the plan that they're working on. It shows that they're, they're lacking confidence or something's not going right. And so we develop that confidence so that you can be patient continuously through your journey and through your process. It's something that makes the magic because if you're consistently frustrated, you don't, you just don't make progress like you would if you can be patient and trust that what, what you're doing is going to pay off long-term. I yeah. love that. Thanks for having that, man. Um, yes, keep listening guys. I'd love to have you here. This is Thrivecast. This is Clay Frost and our guest Anton. Thanks again for being with us and we will see you on the next episode.